We are continuing the series Alone in the Dark in which we're talking about different uh, supernatural type stories from the Bible. Last week we talked about the ghost, uh, a medium bringing Samuel forward because Saul really wanted to get the right answers that he wanted. He didn't want the actual answers. And then Samuel still came back and was like, dude, you are really messing things up. You got to do it right. And Saul just kind of gave up and he continued to go down the wrong path. This week we're going to talk about uh, an exorcism, one of the most famous ones in the Bible. Um, And so this is with Jesus, and this is from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles, shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. So in the tradition of the capital C church over the history of time, a lot of times people who were possessed um, actually just had some kind of mental illness or epilepsy or something. And so a lot of people assume that every possession is that. And it's absolutely true that, again, when the capital C church was formed after Acts and was going on uh, in the days of more modern times, uh, people would start to look at that and they'd be like, oh, I don't like this person, they're possessed, etc. And it kind of was like the um, Salem witch trials in a bit. But this is Jesus. And so when Jesus is involved, he knows what's up and he understands this. And his disciples understood what was up. And it was a very different time because uh, it's not that possessions don't still happen. They probably do at different times. But here was this all-out war, basically, because Jesus was on earth. Like, God is on earth. And so it's this major event all across the world and in the eternal world, too. And so Jesus is walking around, and he's teaching, and he's healing, and he's doing everything uh, that is good, everything that is against evil. And so this guy is possessed, and he is so possessed that he's got this supernatural strength. Um, This does not mean that he became like the Incredible Hulk or anything, but it means that in terms of the demons in him, uh, they don't care about his limits. So like actual people have limits and so you're not able to do something beyond the limits of your strength or beyond the limits of your body or beyond something that will actually hurt you but if you don't care about that uh like say a demon is possessing you then you can do a little more than you normally could because again he couldn't care less if he got hurt there was a movie last year called nefarious and it was really cool it was a christian movie actually but it showed this guy that was possessed in prison and it shows that his entire purpose the demon's entire purpose was to hurt this guy, just to make him sad, to make him corrupt, to get him little by little to turn more evil. And that's the whole purpose. Um, Because if you look through the Bible and you look at Revelation, you see that God wins. Like in the end, uh, Jesus comes back and there's this awesome part in Revelation. We'll actually talk about Revelation some in this series. But there's this often awesome part in Revelation uh, where it's Armageddon and everybody's always talking about Armageddon and worried about Armageddon and oh no, what's going on in Israel? Is this Armageddon and World War II? Is this Armageddon and etc. 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 But when you actually look at this battle, this battle between good and evil, and Jesus is there, it's like literally a sentence long because when Jesus is there, it's over because he doesn't need to fight because he is perfect and he is all powerful and nothing can stand against him. And so the demons know that, the devil knows that, everybody who's bad knows that ultimately in their hearts, in their souls, everywhere they are. 
And so in terms of like evil, in terms of the devil, his goal is not to win because he knows that's not possible because he knows that God is above him. His goal is just to hurt as many people as possible, which is where possession comes in. It's just geared towards hurting people. And so you can imagine being around here and you see this guy who you, you're like, oh man, this guy's acting really crazy and he's hurting people, so let's shackle him. And then he breaks them. Then you're going to be super scared of this guy. And so he's just running around. He's wondering. He's howling. He's cutting himself. He's doing all of these crazy things. And everybody stays away from him. Everybody is scared of him. Everybody's terrified. And then Jesus comes up. And so people start to gather around. Because by this point, and it's pretty early in his ministry still, word had started to spread. It's like there's something about this guy. And in Mark, unlike some of the other Gospels, like uh, it doesn't talk a lot about who he really is. It just talks about some of the things he can do. Eventually it gets to who he is. But at this point, people just kind of knew, hey, this guy is really good, and he's a teacher, and John the Baptist baptized him, and, ha- and he seems to be holy, and he has this really amazing relationship with God. Who is he? What's he going to do with this possession guy? And so everybody's watching, almost like it's a prize fight or like a Super Bowl or something. They're like, this is crazy. And so we get to the next part. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man uh, saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them into some uh, distant place. There happened to be a large herd of... Let me, let me stop there first. So basically, at this point, everybody watching was of Jewish faith for the most part. And so they have this tradition about possessions and about things. And essentially, names were powerful. Like, if you had a name, if people knew your name, then they could have power over you. They could control you. And so you didn't just spread out your name like we do now. Like, today, if somebody says, hey, what's up? Uh, What's your name? You're like, hey, my name is Mason or Micah or Rob or whatever. And you say your name, and then you shake hands, and or you give high fives, or you do a fist bump, or you do, like, an awkward thing where one of you fist bumps and one of you high fives, and then you kind of laugh awkwardly and run away. Or something along those lines, but you introduce each other. You say your name. We don't think anything of it. In those days, names were power. And so the fact that this demon-possessed guy comes up and immediately says, Jesus, we're thinking, oh, Jesus has this. Like, we never think this is in doubt because we see what he's done before. We see what he's done after. We know the stories about Jesus. Everybody there is like, Jesus is losing. Like, this guy knows his name. And he won't even tell him his name. He's just saying, Legion, there's a lot of them. There's no way this is over. Oh, and it's like watching a fight. And like... The, the unexpected person is winning. And so they're positive that it's over. And the demon, meanwhile, is like, he's not like, hey, like we'd see in the movies, the exorcism movies. He's not like, hey, don't take me out, don't take me out. He's like, he already understands that it's over because, again, Jesus walks up and it's over because he's all powerful. In the movies, if you watch one of the exorcist movies, and I wouldn't say do that because they're rated R, but in the movies, anytime there's a possession, there has to be a lot of drama because if it were just... You say, hey, get out because Jesus is here, and it ended. Then the movie's like five minutes long. There's no drama. It's not scary. It's kind of a pointless movie. And so we get used to that, and we're thinking, oh, it's this amazing battle. It's tough. Jesus is going to have to fight. He's going to have to really roll up his sleeves. But in real life, Jesus just says, hey, get out, and he gets out. And the demon knows that, and so he immediately comes up, and he bows to him. He gets low. He begs him because they believe who he is. They know who he is. And so everybody's like, this is so crazy. How is this happening? The next part. There happened to be a large herd of pigs uh, feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. 
the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. So you may wonder why, if they had this guy, did they want Jesus to throw them into pigs? Well, they knew that he was going to win, and Jesus could have ended them, he could have made them go away, he could have sent them back to hell, he could have done anything he wanted with them, he had complete power. And so they wanted to just go into these animals. And to them, they're like, this is mercy. But it's like we can still cause some pain. So they caused chaos. They made the pigs run down. It hurt the farmer of the pigs. And it hurt the pigs. And it just caused chaos because that's what evil is about. Evil is about chaos. It's not necessarily about a plan. It's about chaos. One of the things that people mistakenly do all of the time is they put the devil on kind of the same uh, level of power as God. And they're like, Oh, the devil did this, and oh, the devil is really active today, and the devil is over here. The devil is not omnipotent, and he's not omnipresent, and he's not omniscient. He is just an angel who fell. That does not mean he has no power, and it doesn't mean that there's not bad things going on. But we give him way too much power. We assume that he's on the same level as Jesus. It's not even close. Like, Jesus is above everything and has all the power in the world, and he knows everything. The devil is just an angel. He was always below him. He never would have been able to go up there, and so demons are obviously lower than that. And so the entire goal, again, is not to win. It's just to cause chaos, to cause evil, to hurt people. And so when we hurt other people, we're kind of doing the work of evil. We always kind of think, well, evil is this great, big, awful thing. It's the worst thing that I can think of. It's killing someone. It's it's uh, kidnapping someone. It's doing something that is just evil and cruel and awful. But the worst evil is the day-to-day cruelty towards other people, judging other people, hating other people, being angry with other people, making other people feel bad about themselves. The little bits of evil is what really hurts, what really causes. Because when someone who is supposed to be a Christian, who says they're a Christian, treats someone like garbage, that does far more bad to them, to the word, to everything, than someone who everybody thinks is a bad guy doing something bad. Because like, well, that makes sense. Like, this is what he does. But when somebody who goes to church, who is, you know, saying, hey, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I do this, I do that, I tithe, blah, 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 and they hate someone, they are angry, they are evil, they post something that that really shames someone, really hurts someone, really is negative, really is harmful, really is cruel, then again, people see that, and that makes them think, oh, everybody in the church is like that. And again, that does far more evil than when someone who is not a Christian does something bad. That does not mean that it's okay for them to do bad. It doesn't mean that. But it means that when we say we're a Christian, we have to actually try to do that. Uh, And so I want to go to the last part here. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. And they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Uh, Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region, and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Uh, So basically everybody turned against Jesus. And in different Gospels it kind of goes in different ways with it. But regardless, everybody turned against Jesus after he won, after he saved this guy's life. And you may be like, well, why? How in the world? They saw him get rid of this demon. They saw him help this guy. Why would they turn against him? Again, because they expected something different. 
they expected Jesus to have to have this battle, and they expected him to have to work to figure out his name because the name is power. And so they put what they expected, they put what they believed above what was actually happening. And so Jesus, meanwhile, is just working for God, and he's doing everything he can to do good, and he just takes care of things. But that's not the way they want. So often in our lives, so often in everything that we do, we go into a situation with these expectations, and if something goes against it, uh, we continue to fight, we continue to argue, we continue to hate, even if it's not, even if what happens is good for us, because we just can't handle things not being the way we want them. Often, people are more concerned about being right and about winning an argument than they are about actually helping people. And so it becomes less about, oh, I really want them to see Jesus, and so I want to build a relationship, and more about, okay, I'm having this conversation, but I'm not paying attention to them. I'm just listening so that I can respond, because I couldn't care less what they're saying. I just need them to hear what I say so that one day they'll look back and say, hey, you're the one that saved my life. And that's not how it works. Because like Jesus showed us, you go into the situation, you do what you need to do, you help people, you love people, you talk to them, you show them that they matter, and then what happens goes from there. It's not about being right, and it's not about winning everything. It's about just being who you can be and being good. Um, Going back to Revelation for a second, there's this period of time after almost everything where there's like this thousand years of peace. And during this thousand years of peace... Uh, it's on earth, and Jesus is here, and the devil is chained up. And so you'd think, well, there's no evil. But people still turn from God, even after Jesus wins. And even when he's on earth, people still turn from him, because that's what humans do, because we don't need anything else uh, to make us bad. We, always cho- we often choose that way. And then we blame other things. We justify it. We think about it. We talk about it. And then we go to church, and like, well, I go to church, though, so it's okay. Uh, and again, that's not how it works. It's important to go to church, and it's important to pray, and it's important to read the Bible. Those things are vital to your faith, but also how you treat other people. I talk a lot about loving God and loving others, and a lot of people focus on the loving God, and that's absolutely where we start, because He made us, and that's where we get our salvation, and that's how we figure out who we can be, and how we can learn, and how we can grow. But we have to go to the next part, and Jesus said both of them equally. We have to go to the next part, and too often in the church, the capital C Church, people stop at just love God, and it's like, follow these laws. Well, you don't follow them, so get out, or you disagree with me, so get out, or you are different than me, so go away. And Jesus never did that. Even with a guy who's possessed, even with a demon, he still shows some level of mercy. This doesn't mean that he agreed with the guy. It doesn't mean that uh, that demon suddenly became a Christian. But it means that Jesus was always Jesus no matter where he was, whether he's in the synagogue or out in the streets or at home or whatever else. And that's what's most important is always do what you can to be like Jesus. Always do what you can to show people love. Always do what you can to live your faith, not just talk about it, not just argue about it, but to actually live it and show people this example, just like Jesus did here, where everybody's like, this isn't what I expected, but it's what actually happened. So don't worry about expectations. Don't worry about those judgments. Worry about being like Jesus and doing the good thing. And understand, yeah, evil exists in the world, and it sucks, and it's scary, and possessions can be terrifying, and this situation would be horrible to see in real life. But regardless, Jesus is there, and he will help you to do everything you can to do everything that you can And I get that sounds kind of silly, but legit, it's being like Jesus is the answer. Showing people Jesus is the answer. Living the way that Jesus would live for you is the answer. And that's something we can all do. You don't have to have all the knowledge. You don't have to have all the gifts. You just have to do everything you can 
to be like Jesus and show people love, understanding, mercy, grace, and then go forward and keep doing it as best as you can, asking forgiveness when you need to, and helping people to see that you are not perfect, but that you do love them because you are loved. And that's all I got.